Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Heart of Sports with Jason Springer and Jeff Cohen. We are thrilled to join you on 610 ESPN, ready to help you move into the weekend, talking about all the news in the world of sports. Jeff, you have returned from your travels around the eastern seaboard this weekend. Well, just to the south. This just time to the to south? Georgia. Yeah. Um, can you tell me where you were, how it went, and uh, did so you bring back l- pictures of the Masters? I did, well, because you were allowed to take them during the practice round. So I actually went to a minor league game, and then I saw the Braves which sounded like a good idea just because it was another ballpark to go to until I got there and about three minutes into the game, they started the the thing I like least in all of sports. The wave? The chop. The chop. Okay. And it was three hours of the chop. Okay. So you so, weren't into that. Not into that. Nice stadium. Did you see any basketball while you were down there? Did not see any basketball. Saw a college baseball game, University of Georgia, but most importantly, I was at the Masters. Practice round. You were at the Masters practice round. Uh You were with your son. Yes. Do we want to come back to that after we talk a little basketball? Whatever you like. All right. Well, let's start with the Sixers because we got Keith Pompey, Sixers beat writer on. Keith, I'm following your Twitter uh, pretty much nonstop these days. Uh, (laughs) He's also uh, weeping. Yeah. (laughs) Can can you tell me what's going on with the Sixers, please? (laughs) Me no habla inglés. That's what I thought. Um so Joel Embiid uh, doesn't know if he's going to play tomorrow. Is that that what he said? <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, it's funny because when Elton Brand came out a couple of nights ago, what was it Wednesday night, and he said, you know, I'm optimistic, but there's a possibility he's not going to play. It was like a lot of people like didn't take him serious, and he was straight up. You know what I mean? And it just looks like. You know, it seems like the load management was actually, he probably had a setback, you know what I mean, in his knee. So, I mean, the thing about Joel is, Joel, like, typically, he likes to keep people in suspense, but it's just the way that he sounds, you know, in regards to... um you know, he just didn't seem, like, overly confident today. It, it, it appears as if, like, maybe this time he really doesn't know what's going to happen. Yeah, he, did, he didn't seem very confident about it at all, from what it sounded. So, Keith, here's the question, uh-huh. because people are starting to gripe about this. It, did this situation preexist the All-Star game? And did his playing in the All-Star game exacerbate it? And that's why we're dealing with it. Well, you know, the thing is, it did pre-exist before the All-Star game because um, there was a game December the 30th that he missed it. Um, I, I, I kind of think that, I mean, he missed the game because of it, December the 30th when they played Portland. But I kind of think that it was one of those things where the guy just wanted to keep on playing. You know, and I don't know, I can't, like, say it was the All-Star game exactly because people don't, People don't typically play the All-Star game hard. So I think that it could have been, you know, the accumulation of all the minutes he logged before the All-Star game. I saw something. He's missed 15 of the last 24 games, and you had shared a story from Mike Sielski where it said that, uh, referring to Embiid's health, the worries are his knee, his conditioning, and his apparent weight gain. Uh, what's that about, and how concerned should we all be? Because 
you would think if the Nets want to do anything, they're going to try and run up and down the court a lot and make him run. Of course. I mean, think about it. I mean, when they played the Milwaukee Bucks, Milwaukee just kept running. I mean, Joel was gassed late in the game, and they just kept pushing. And and that's what teams are going to do. And, and Stilski is right. I mean, you look at it, he was off for a week, and he came back, and it looks like he gained 10 to 15 pounds. And, which, you know, which, the Sixers are going to say, oh, he's in great shape, or he's getting he's trying to get in great shape. But you, you know that they're disappointed because every time he takes a break, he comes back heavier. And when you gain weight, it also doesn't help with your knee. You, the additional Precise. weight on a knee on a hardwood surface when you're already seven feet tall is only going to exacerbate the problem. Exactly. And, you know, of course they're going to say all the right things that are they're supportive, but they're disappointed and frustrated. So i got some friends on one side who think the sky is falling and they're not going to beat Brooklyn because of the way they closed out the season. i got other friends who are going, well, you know, it's the end of the season. They rested some players. Who cares? They didn't play well. They got a starting five. We're going to beat Brooklyn, no problem. Uh, where does Keith Pompey come down on that spectrum? <laughs> you know, it's kind of like a waiting like. I mean, I have them winning in six games because we had to come out say how many games that, you know, the Sixers will win and lose them. So I said, let me go to Sixers winning in six. But no one knows, and especially if he doesn't play, you know, because, you know, what he is is he's the rim protector. And when you don't have him, it turns out to be a layup line more often than not. So does that mean Greg Monroe is first up or is Boban first up? You know, I, I see it's weird because right? it would be crazy if they started Greg Monroe, like you know, in his fourth game. So I, I could see Boltline getting the start, but you never know. I mean, but I think if they start Greg Monroe, it hitting the panic button. And as good as Greg Monroe is offensively, I mean, he's not exactly a rim protector. So I have a you know. I have a two-part question. Who's the leader on this team right now, and is that the same person who in the playoffs is going to have the ball in their hands in the final two minutes? Um, I think Jimmy Butler's the leader. So, and, and I think he's the one who's going to have the ball in his hand at the final second. And is is the team buying into that? Like, how has Ben accepting that role of Jimmy being the leader. I, I saw a quote from Chris Dudley earlier who said that they were just going to back off and let him shoot, prove that he can make it. Uh, how, how has Ben handled that? How, how do the other players on the team handle that right now with the chemistry? They've obviously only handle played... Jimmy. Yeah, I mean, they've only really played 10 games together where all five have been on the court. How you know Jeff was talking to me before the show about chemistry and you know, superstar teams being put together. Is this the year that that chemistry doesn't happen with these big star teams? I don't know. It's still early. Like, we we got to let them play a couple games in the playoffs and see how it goes. But, you know, I, I, I think that 
right now, assuming that MB is not playing, that's just assuming. I think everything has to run through Bimmy and Tobias. You know, JJ Reddick, you know what I mean? He'll he'll be a spacer and then you give him some shots from there. But but if I'm Ben Simmons, I'm trying to get them the ball and then late in the game, depending on who's hot between Tobias and Jimmy, then that person takes over. What is you know, it's, it's like like did you say something? Yeah, what what does Ben Simmons think of Dudley's comments? It, it, does it is it lighting know, a fire? Huh? Is it lighting a fire under? I mean, him? I just talked to him lately. Like, like, yeah, it's not, not. I mean, not really. I mean, keep it real. Like everyone says that about him. So you know what he'll say is, "Hey, I'm working on my jump shot. You know, I'm gonna get better at it, and that's it. I mean, it's like the thing that Dudley said is." is no different than what all teams did last year in the playoffs. The The problem is, for Miami, they didn't have anyone who could stop them. Um, but Boston, they were a whole lot more physical. So, I mean, if I'm Ben Simmons, it, you know, you would hope that it lights a fire on you over the summer, but it's a little bit too late right about now. Is it possible, could the Sixers get, I wouldn't say desperate, but is it possible the Sixers could pull a 1980-whatever Lakers strategy of putting Ben Simmons at center, similar to what the Lakers did with Magic Johnson, if Embiid can't play? Uh, I don't know if they'll do that right now for game one. I don't. I don't see that for game one. No, I'm not talking no, about I mean, game I, one. But let's let's say after game one, they determine. I'm just giving you a hypothetical. He, for whatever reason, he's just not going to play. They know that he's now not going to play. Would that? Would they do something that drastic, considering the lineups they've had this year? No, nah, I, I can see him playing the four. The four because that, you got Mike Scott. That's where I mean Mike Scott is a better better center than. What is the rotation now at guard? uh, And, you know, we've seen Zaire Smith get a bunch of minutes with the James Innes injury. Is he going to end up in this playoff rotation? That's to be determined. I'm sorry, I don't have any information because the thing is I have yet to see him play. Yeah. And, and, you know, right now it's kind of hard because you got injured players. You know, I mean, I can see him. I mean, I personally think that Jonathan Simmons should be in there just because on the defensive end. But as far as Zaire, Zaire has proven that, you know, in in the, in the limited minutes he got in the regular season that he can play. The only problem is Playoff basketball is completely different from playing bad teams at the end of the regular season. So can he match that intensity that they're going to come after him with? You know, Zaire, is he can shoot the ball from the outside, but he's still raw. He's still learning the position. You know, he's a solid defender. But when rookies tend to times in this when when you excuse me when you have a rookie 
and and you're trying to like depend on them a lot to get that shot, they don't always come through. So do you want to like bank on that? So that that's where the Sixers stand. But again, it's one of those things, man. We really don't know. I mean, they don't even know if MB's playing, and that's going to affect a lot who who plays. All right. So when the Sixers aren't playing, who should who should be who's your who, which game is the one or which which uh, which uh, matchup are you most looking forward to? When the Sixers aren't playing, yep, yeah. Which other first round matchup in the NBA playoffs has your attention peaked a little bit? Uh, I, to be honest with you, I, I think they're all going to go the way they should. So I'm not really focused. I mean, the, you would say Boston and then Indiana, but I don't think the Pacers could beat the Celtics. You know, I don't know if Orlando can can deal with Toronto. Now, if it was Detroit in Toronto, that would really intrigue me because Detroit had had some success against them. But, um, you know, I don't think Detroit could go into Milwaukee and win that series either. So I guess the Sixers are the one. That, like, if, even though I'm paying it close attention by covering it, you know, that's the one that really my interest. The, the Sixer series seems to be one that that has everybody's interest. Before we let you go, what's the what's the feel on this team going into the playoffs? They they obviously wanted to play more together. Um, they haven't had the close necessarily that they wanted, but they still got the three seed and still won over fifty games for the second season in a row. Where's this team psyche heading into tomorrow's game? Un, I, I would say unknown. No one knows what's going to happen. That's why when you're asking about a lineup, I'm like, I don't know because I don't think they know. I mean, I don't think Brett Brown doesn't know what's going to happen late in the game because he just doesn't have the rhythm. You know, think about it. Typically, guys, you know exactly what your teammate is going to do in a certain play. These guys are still trying to figure each other out. So it's tough. Yeah, that's definitely my concern going into it. It should be loud down there tomorrow. Jeff will be there uh, trying not to get thrown out. Right, Jeff? You'll be on best behavior? Of course. Of course. Yeah. Keith will be following along on Twitter, reading you in the paper, and always appreciate you giving us a little time to come on and break it down. Thanks so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me, and I'm sorry I couldn't answer questions. Oh, no. Problem. Look, <laughs> honestly, it just goes to show you where things are right now, that the people closest to the team can't get information because it doesn't seem like the team has it. It's just not a place that you normally see a three-seed going into for the playoffs. This so. is not This is not the place that you – you don't want unknowns walking into the playoffs. No, not ideal. That, uh, thank, thanks uh, so the, much, well, Keith. The thing they keep saying is, it's like we we have four talented players. That's it. Well, we'll watch for that. You got you got my board up on the other side laughing. So he enjoyed that response. All right, thanks so much, Keith. You have a great one, man. Drive safe. All right, bye bye. Bye It's it's true, Jeff. It's not how you want to go into it. And and four names with five starters. Um, 
I, I don't know. It, it seems like there's a lot of hesitancy among the fan base right now and concern. And like I said to him, you got some people who are ready to run, run to like hide and think it's over. And some people are like, oh, they didn't play their starters. Of course they're going to be fine. They've got superstars on their team. I can't figure out what the heck to believe. Well, I, I don't know what having superstars does for you if you don't have the chemistry. I mean, that's one of the things that's important about a team. This is this is not an individual sport. This is a team sport, and it's one of those sports where everybody needs to know where everybody else is. And the only way that you do that is by communication and learning, playing together. And this team probably has played less together. This starting five, probably less than any other starting five that's in the playoffs. So with all that talent, I think that can overcome some things. It can't overcome everything because you need to find out people's strengths and weaknesses. And you were concerned about Brooklyn before this was the matchup. You've been saying that this matchup gives you a little pause. Because Brooklyn seems like the team nobody gave any respect to all year. And I know that athletes often say, we got no respect. You're the same this, guy that tells me that's not motivation. Correct, but <laughs> but these guys are all they're not the stars. These are the these the castoffs, and I don't mean that in a bad way. What I mean is D'Angelo Russell was basically pawned off on the Nets, right? They just wanted to get rid of him at one point. He's now an all star. You have Joe Harris, who nobody ever heard of before, who was in the G League for the Cavaliers at one point. Then goes to the All-Star Game, wins the All-Star Game uh, three-point shooting contest, and has turned into a really solid player. You have the, just a bunch of guys that are not superstars, and then but are really have, good players. And then you have guys like Jared Allen, who will have a much different impact on the game and series if Joel Embiid isn't in there. Yeah. And so that's not only but does see, that's, the matchup that, challenge them more, it challenges them more if they're not healthy. What, what concerns me about the, the Sixers and Joel Embiid is not just that no, Joel Embiid might not be at 100%. It's what's behind him. And just like T.J. McConnell is, is a good spark off the bench for short periods of time, the backup center situation, we have the same problem. You have this situation with Boban who... Yeah, he's good for a spurt. He's a lot of fun. He's not the guy that you want starting and playing 30, 35 minutes a game, right? So then who do you go to from after that? It's Jonah Bolden. Jonah Bolden brings certain skills to the table, but I still don't think he's a center. He certainly doesn't have the body to be you've pushing anybody a, around. You've thought he's a four all along as well. Yes, and I think that he will excel at that position. So now who is your center? I know Keith is saying it's Mike Scott. I believe Mike Scott's six eight, six nine tops. So I don't know. Yeah, he can push people around for his size. Is he going to push around another center seven footer? That's a much smaller lineup if yeah. Mike Scott is your center. So that's my. It's been my concern all season is that we didn't have a backup center, and now it's coming home to roost. And I know the next question is, well, what about Greg Monroe? Well, he's Greg, been here for a cup of coffee. Exactly. And have you been? talking about Greg Monroe for the last two, three years? No. No. They don't have a Greg Monroe calendar on the other side of this class. They have a calendar that has Ben Simmons, Joel Embiid. Well, but the bigger problem And now a cut-up of Jimmy Butler's face over top of... Yeah, but the the bigger (laughs) problem is he just got here. There's no calendar that has Greg Monroe on it in any setting, okay? He's coming in here, and he has skills, but he's also not a defender. So 
who's going to be the defensive rebounder on this team? Who's going to be the guy to keep someone out of the middle? J.J. Redick. <laughs> okay. What do you want from me? I got no good answer. You're I'm going to give you something. See, now you're just trying to rile me up. I am, because yeah. angry Jeff is a fun Jeff. <laughs> so that's my goal, is to get you all worked up like you were you last know, And week. by the way, with all that being said, as yes. much as I'm concerned, you still I still think the that they win in six even when if MB doesn't play this series. Yeah. I, I still think they have that much more talent than the Nets to get by. I just don't think... Look, the Sixers don't play blowout games anyway. No. So all of these games are going to be nail-biters. But it, it look at it. If it goes six games and all these guys play, let's assume MB does play, mm-hmm. that will be almost 50% plus of the games that they've played together. So they need these games to actually develop a rhythm and kind of figure out what's going on with each other on the court but i have a feeling there's going to be even in-game load management um a term i never heard of before a couple years ago with regard to Embiid, and that's going to be another problem so even if he's playing they're going to rest the minutes that he's playing so you're not going to see him more than 25 minutes because look the nets aren't going to be able to probably go with a 10-man team they've they've used that type of rotation all season and nobody's really gotten a ton of minutes, and they run hard, and they run fast, and they're going to try and run Embiid up and down the court and make him fatigued and tired and give him these Yeah, but keep in mind, in the, pl- in the playoffs, you cut down your rotation. Uh, that's what I'm saying. They're yeah. not going to be able to use a 10-man rotation. But if they use an 8-man rotation, and they're resting guys and running, it's, it's an odd spot where the Sixers are probably going to be the team trying to slow the game down. It's, See, it's not the position that they're normally in. I don't like to look ahead, but I'm telling you the bigger concern I now have is the Raptors. Right. I was not that concerned with the Raptors until this injury because the Raptors actually have three different centers, all who have different skill sets, but all three who can pull him away from the basket. Can we win one series first, and then we can talk about the Raptors? Yeah. I'll tell you, they better win game one. Because as much as much as they can recover from that, the city might not be able to recover from it. And you're already starting to see the nervousness, I think, in the fact that there are 5,300 tickets yeah, up on so StubHub for Game 1. you asked me that before one. the game. So you said to me, how many tickets do you think are available on StubHub for Game 1? And I said, eh, a couple hundred. And we asked somebody else here, and he said 100. There's 5,500 tickets available. So 5,300. 5,300 yeah. tickets. Mm-hmm. That's a lot of tickets. That is a lo- that's a, almost you a quarter of the arena. You think that's a reflection of people not thinking Embiid's going to play? People trying to capitalize on what they think is going to be a hot ticket because it's Sixers in the playoffs and they'll just go? What is your take on why They're that's not happening? Look, the, the getting in price is now 50 bucks. Okay, So it's not that people think that they're going to be making a ton of money off of the tickets. I think that between the ticket resellers... Um, I think the Sixers made a mistake. I think that they offered more tickets to season ticket holders who then buy the extra tickets and put them up on StubHub anyway. And I think that there is a a small group of people that are starting to panic and be very negative about it. And I think that yeah, we all... heard we heard from a lot of them in the last few days. Yeah, <laughs> I feel um, like a lot of them are my friends. <laughs> but but I you know look, I got I got issues with ticket resellers anyway. Um, you could have just stopped with I have issues. Well, no. The other thing is, I don't know <laughs> if you heard, but StubHub is now increasing the fees for people who I believe sell less than $250,000 worth of product per year, which means that I have season tickets to events. 
when I put them up on StubHub, I don't look to make money. I look to, okay, I can't go to this game. So now you need to do it to to make money. I don't. I I do it to, I want somebody else to have the experience if it's going to, instead of an empty seat for the same price. You know what the problem is? And now, but now, now they're saying to people like me that we don't value it as much. And we want the people that are going to be able to scoop up large amounts of tickets and make a huge profit. And I understand you're too, ni- you're too nice of a guy. That's your problem. No, it's, it's just what you want people to be. Happy. No, because there are lots of people like that. Can, and can I get you angrier? Oh, here you go. go is, is LeVar Ball going to end up being how, the how general, did we get to LeVar Ball? general manager and coach of the Lakers by the time this is all done? Why? Because now magic's gone. Yeah. And Walton's gone, right? Yeah, so they and have, the whole coaching staff, and the whole coaching right. staff. So they have nobody. Well, they have Genie Bus, and they have Rob right. Palenka. But they've got Lonzo and Lavar. Here, here's with the LeBron. question: Could the could the Lakers go completely off the deep end and bring in Kobe to run it? Oh God, be like a Derek Jeter in Miami. You do know who Kobe's agent was, right? Rob Palenka, right? Yeah. Who is now who the guy yeah. there with everybody else uh-huh. gone? Your thoughts on the disintegration of the Lakers this week, Jeff? <laughs> I I grin and smile. I, I I mean, as as a kid, the Lakers were one of the Sixers' two rivals, and and watching the Lakers disintegrate. So, okay, I mean, Magic's a good guy. Did you watch but, that rambling forty-minute press conference? The, press gaggle of him going. Ama- there are several amazing <laughs> things about that press conference, but the fact that Magic basically just said, "Hey, I'm just going back to my happy life," <laughs> tells you. And it shows for people who don't understand how sports work behind the scenes is being a general manager, being in the front office requires you to have to deal with these things. And I don't think Magic was ever willing to do that. No, I I don't think he was prepared to sit there and say, if there's a struggle between a coach and a player, I got to get involved. I don't know if people remember, you know, when Allen Iverson was here, we had Pat Croce he was the mediator. Exactly. And he had to deal with Larry Brown and Allen Iverson repeatedly. That's what you, that's part of the job. Part of the job of being a coach or being a general manager is having a bullseye on you and, and dealing with those situations. Magic didn't want that. Magic wants to be the face of the Lakers. And he can go back to being the face of the Lakers unless Jeannie Buss said you're not allowed in the building anymore. Did, Since he decided not to tell her. I'm just going to keep jumping around at basketball. Yeah. Did you happen to catch the national championship game while you were in Georgia last week? I did. You did? Uh, where'd you watch it? In a hotel room getting ready to go to sleep so, oh, so I could go to the a, Masters. Not in a bar or anything. No. no not, not social uh-huh. out with people. I thought maybe you could give me the reaction of somebody in another place, but you're good for nothing. Yeah, thanks. Thanks. Appreciate and time. That. Uh, uh, it, it, was, it was an incredible game. and. Considering the way it started off, it was terrible it, at the start. It was so bad Boring. at the far the start of the game. It, the the lack of points and people being able to make a basket. I thought for sure it was going to be like forty five, forty two. That's what it would look like. It was headed towards, and somehow the offense opened up, and it was a crazy end of the game. And anybody who thought that that game and the semifinals weren't going to be exciting, boy, were they wrong. Yeah, you saw some pretty good games. Yeah. Uh, 85 points going up is not something I think people thought Texas Tech would give up. Mm-hmm. Um, that overtime... Or that Virginia could score. Texas Tech couldn't hit the side of a barn in that overtime. Mm-hmm. They were they just couldn't do anything. Um, it's the first championship in Virginia school history for them. Were uh, you surprised at that? Yes. Did you? I mean, the first time I heard that said before the game, that this could be their first championship, didn't you think... 
Ralph they won Sam- something. Didn't, didn't Ralph Sampson win something? You nope. would think that he would have won. Never did. Uh, but it didn't draw ratings, Chef. I know you don't care about ratings, yeah. but ratings are what it does drive not and make su- the money. Did it surprise you that it didn't draw ratings? Texas Tech versus Virginia. No, once, exactly. once you didn't have the blue blood names in right. there, I didn't expect it to draw ratings. But it, so the odd thing was, it was up twenty three percent over last year's game with Villanova, Michigan. Not because of the teams that were in it, but because that game was on cable mm-hmm. on TBS. This was on network on CBS. But if you compare that to two years ago, North Carolina beating Gonzaga, it was fifteen percent down from that that year in that rating. Wow. So um, while people on the other side of the glass are just thrilled that no Michigan was in there in that final, Jeff, I'll share that with you. Nice. Um, that was the message that we just got across. Uh, it, apparently the people at home were not very interested in the teams that were playing. <laughs> so. it, it's, the, it's the difficulty of being on a radio station that is the Villanova Sports Network. Yeah, huh? yeah. They, they don't give you any love for Michigan. Uh-uh. It's okay. All right, why don't we hit the break, Jeff? When we come back, we've got uh, Matt Gelb coming on from The Athletic to talk Phillies. We've got your union update, Jeff, and so much more. Stick with us. Are you looking for a lifeline? Verizon New Jersey Shares Communication Lifeline is a statewide nonprofit that provides assistance to individuals and families living in New Jersey, those who are in need of temporary help in paying their communication and energy bills. Want to know how to apply? All you need to do is call Verizon New Jersey Shares at 1-888-337-3339 or visit on the web at www.NewJerseyShares.org. It's quick and easy to sign up, but remember, you must be a Verizon Residential Landline customer to apply for eligible programs. That's Verizon New Jersey Shares, keeping the lines of communication open for you and your family. Taking you into the weekend with the latest news in the world of sports. With the biggest names on and off the field. It's the Heart of Sports each and every Friday at 4 p.m. on 610 ESPN. With former players, reporters, and commentators like Adam Schefter, John Runyon, Keith Jones, Trey Thomas, and Doug Glanville, Jason Springer and Jeff Cohen cover the agony and ecstasy of fandom while weaving in conversations about the impact of sports on society. That's the Heart of Sports, Fridays at 4 p.m. Welcome back to the Heart of Sports. I'm Jason Springer here in studio with Jeff Cohen. Jeff, tell me, uh, have you watched the beginning of the Masters? And do you watch it differently after standing on that that beautiful course? It is amazing how beautiful the course is. I mean, TV doesn't do it justice. It's just, it's magnificent. In fact, when I first got onto the grounds, you look down and the grass is so well manicured, it actually looked like it was almost artificial. <laughs> and, and it was just, it was pretty amazing to see. It's such a hard course. I mean, you look at that Amen corner with 11, 12, and 13, where they have that bend and you have to go over those creeks. And there's like no, it, it looks bigger on TV, but there's really no flat surface on the green to land the ball. So if you, it, it, the, the, the area is right by the by the stream, and if you hit it in front of it, it usually rolls in. And if you hit it behind it, there's such a steep slope back there that it could still roll in. There's no a matter very what little... I would put it in the stream. Exactly. I mean, it, you got to wonder. I would love to play it, but you really have to have the mentality. I'd love to watch you play it. Well, the, I think the, that would be a frustrating day for you. Yeah, you have to. You have to go in with the mentality. That you're just going to be horrible, and I've done that. I've I've gone. To, I, look, there are plenty of places in life that I've gone in and said I'm going to be horrible. I played Kapalua. <laughs> in, in I sit Hawaii. here every week with you and go, boy, I hope I'm not horrible. <laughs> I played Kapalua in Hawaii, which is is 
almost equal, almost as gorgeous. Okay. Um, and there's a lot of trade winds with the the hills and stuff like that. And I went with that mentality, and luckily I was able to do that, probably because it was Hawaii. But uh, there was one hole where the wind was so bad that I hit it, and it just stopped midair. It just dropped <laughs> like it had hit something. And you know, my playing partners were just sitting there laughing. Of course, it happened to them too. So, of course. Uh, what do you think about the start? Phil Mickelson had his fir- best first round at the Masters since 2010. He was in third place going into today. Tiger Woods is in the hunt. I uh, believe he's at five under now. He's been a couple shots back. The leaders were at about seven under. The weather looked absolutely spectacular. Yeah, you that, couldn't get better golf conditions. Now, unfortunately, when I was there, it was pouring. So, um, <laughs> at the end of the day, Boy, but I, bet that, I bet they're glad you're not there now. They, well, no, but it's good for the course. So the course got well watered. Oh, so it, your arrival prepped the course for them? Are you no, trying to take I'm, credit for I'm that? I'm not taking credit for it. I'm saying that that's a good situation for them to be in. They're going to have now. They're going to have good weather for the rest of the week. The course is in great shape. Right now, it's there's three guys that are actually in first place right now. It's Brooks Kepka, um, Jason Day, and uh, Francesco Molinari. So there, and there are a lot of guys in contention. So it's going to be a fun. Do you see the the, the Masters. chip in from like a hundred and some yards hit hit off the pin yesterday? Yeah, it's my it's my average round. Isn't <laughs> no, your average round gets nowhere near the pin. Don't even try and claim that. Tiger is now in fifteenth place. He's now he's now four back. Fifteenth place being that there's a bunch of people tied. Right. Yeah. At, at four hundred. So he's I mean, tied with Ricky Fowler, Justin Thomas, Bryson DeChambeau, who everybody. I that I that's who I wanted you to say names. Why? Because it's fun to watch you screw up names. I didn't screw it up. No, but you like struggled through DeChambeau. <laughs> you were looking you're like uh, they dish it. Okay, we're good. What did you take before we went on the air? Nothing. Oh, okay. At all. All right. If you say uh, so. All right. So uh, let's get to a little baseball. Okay, yeah. we'll leave the golf there. Are you going to be watching this weekend? I mean, I, I could sit. And, I'll sit and watch. Well, I will. But fortunate, I won't say unfortunate because it's actually fortunate. We're going to be going to Reading to cover the Reading fightings on Sunday. So we will. We'll have yeah. a couple interviews out there. If you missed our, and I, the Sixers will be on because for some reason they're. Two 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 thirty tomorrow instead of a primetime game. Yeah, I'm not into as- afternoon basketball. I like it is weird to you go to a basketball game and you leave and it's still light outside. Yeah, I like I like the yeah. primetime. It's it's uh-huh. more fun like that. Um, and we will be in Reading on Sunday. Uh, if you missed our High Hopes Phillies minor league rundown this week, we had an interview with JoJo Romero. That's up on our HighHopesPhillies.com website. And Jeff, who won the final fur? Uh, Boomer. Boomer, yeah, big upset for you with the crosscutters. It was a huge upset. It was. Mm-hmm. They beat the Lehigh Valley Ferris. Is Redding going to let you in with the hot dog vendor controversy? It ain't my fault. It ain't your fault. It ain't my fault. All right, why don't we get to a little Phillies baseball? Would you like me to run a poll to see whether people think that the crazy hot dog vendor is is or is not a mascot? I don't think, Will that make you happy? I don't think Matt Gelb has a clue what you're talking about right now. I wanted to talk Phillies with him, but if you want to talk about hot dog vendors... No, I said I'll run a poll. <laughs> okay, good on yeah. your poll. Of course, no, everybody from Reading will say he is. We, we've got Matt Gelb from The Athletic, who I'm not going to ask to weigh in on the is a hot crazy hot dog vendor a mascot debate that Redding is trying to perpetrate. But feel free to give your opinion. Hey, Matt. <laughs> is, is, this like, is, is, is this like the is a hot dog 
sandwich or, uh, you know, like, not a sandwich. Yeah, pretty much. We had done a mascot uh, Elite Eight, and uh, Jeff got a little heat for not including the crazy hot dog vendor as a mascot. So he's been fighting that battle online and on the radio for a few weeks now. He's not going to go anywhere with it, but he's having it, so I'm letting him. My life is sliding, isn't it? (laughs) (laughs) Matt, what is going on with the Phillies right now? Another weekend back at it. Uh, What is your breakdown so far of what we saw this week up and down a little bit? Well, I mean, I think we got what we expected, you know? Like, they're they're going to be uh, scoring a lot of runs. They're going to be giving up a lot of runs. I mean, I think you look across this National League East and – you know, we knew it was going to be competitive. Uh, and I think what we're seeing is that there are four teams with really young and deep and patient lineups, and that's creating some problems for the pitching side of things. And, you know, clearly so far the Phillies pitching has been a disappointment, but you could probably say that about the Braves pitching. You could probably say about the Nationals, certainly their bullpen. Uh, the Mets pit bullpen has been kind of up and down, but uh, – I think there's going to be a lot of runs scored this year, and uh, yeah, I think there's going to be a lot of runs given up too. But look, I mean, they're seven and four, and and in the first eleven games, that's fine. If they go, if they win seven out of eleven games for the rest of the season, each each eleven games since, they'll be in the playoffs. So so far, they're off to a good start. I saw a stat that actually showed that the Phillies have the lowest ERA of every any team in the NL East for their bullpen, which was kind of shocking because the Phillies ERA is over five. What is it this year that bullpens just aren't getting people out? Yeah, it's a great question. I mean, because, you know, it's been trending the other way for the last few years. We've seen, you know, this proliferation of high velocity, uh, big swing and miss relievers. And I, I suspect that we, you know, that the hitting has caught up to it a little bit. I think, you know, there's been a little more advancement in some of the hitting metrics and some of the hitting technologies, you know, for the last few years. And I think before that, you know, it was geared toward pitching. Uh, and, and I think now you see hitters are more and more capable of handling that high velocity and more and more patient, able to lay off, you know, that, that breaking stuff is out of the zone. You know, not a lot of these pitchers, not a lot of these relievers are able to throw their breaking balls four strikes. And if they can't do that, you know, you're sitting on fastballs and guys can catch up to that velocity now. So, you know, it's too early to call this a trend. You know, we're still only two weeks into the season, but this is certainly something to, to watch. All right. Well, you, you report in a city that lacks patience. I think that's fair to say. I have no idea what so, Jeff is talking about there. <laughs> so we, we now have a situation where certain people thought that Nick Pavetta, this was going to be his breakout year. Um, what's at this point wrong with Nick Pavetta, and is it something the Phillies thinks think is fixable at this level, or does he need to go down or go into the bullpen to figure it out? Yeah, I you know three starts, and you know it's, it's hard to read too much into three starts. But then again, if you do go back to you know his last few months of last season, it's, it's not a good look right now. And and this is you know this is a guy who. You know, if you would have asked anyone who followed Philly Spring, you know, scouts from other teams, people from within the Phillies, uh, Nick Pavetta was the guy who, like, stood out the most in the spring. I mean, he was terrific. And, and it wasn't just because he was getting lucky or anything. I mean, his stuff was terrific. You know, what we've seen, especially in the last start, 
he, you know, he was getting ahead of some of these guys, and he just was not able to put them away. And that should not be a problem for Nick Pavetta. I mean, this guy has got terrific stuff. He just didn't have enough conviction. You saw some of these breaking balls that, especially the curveball, uh, that just didn't have the kind of bite that it should have on it. Uh, you know, he just wasn't throwing enough quality pitches. And uh, is it fixable? Yeah, it's fixable, but... You know, it's going to, like you said, the patience thing. I mean, how much patience can they have? You know, in years past, they were able to have more patience. But the expectations are higher this year. Uh, you know, I suspect that if this continues for a few more starts, he's going to have to go back to the minors. And he has options that can do that. Uh, they're not going to let this thing go on very long because of those expectations. You talk about sort of patience and whether there's a short leech. How long does Gabe Kapler give Cesar Hernandez? Um, he, it seems like he's trying to give him time to come out of his rough start, but there is a clamoring for Scott Kingery to play. You saw him get one start to sort of give Cesar a, a sort of a mental break, a day off, it seemed like. Uh, what do you think about his struggles to start the season, and, and how long of a leash is, is Kapler going to have there? Yeah, this one is a more is a really more interesting to me because you know ideally the way this team is is uh, composed now. I mean, you don't need Cesar Hernandez to be one of your top five players. You may not even need him to be one of your top six or even seven players. He could be their eighth best player, and they could still win a lot of games. Now, that said, they have a guy in Scott Kingery behind Cesar Hernandez who they have invested long term in who you know, was once a top prospect who is a talented player and, 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 you know, needs a chance. So, you know, Hernandez has a track record, and, and that track record before he injured his foot, you know, around last July was a pretty good track record. Now, since that July injury, which he played through for the rest of the season and you saw his production go down, track record hasn't been as good, you know, and... and he is a less important player to them right now than he was before, but that, that doesn't mean that they, they're just going to live with him being unproductive, especially when you have a guy like Kingery behind him. So, uh, you know, sometimes these things that, you know, people would say they don't look at the major league standings until around Memorial Day because they, they can't read too much into it before then. I suspect, you know, with Hernandez, maybe, that, maybe that's a similar time frame. You know, he gets until about Memorial Day, and, and if there isn't much improvement by Memorial Day, I think you could see more of a timeshare with Scott Kingery, or we could see Scott Kingery really taking more of the reps at second base. All right. Well, then let's go to the outfield. So we have we have our starting outfield pretty much set. However, we have the backup situation that may have to be dealt with at some point soon, even though the Phillies say that there's in, they're in no hurry. Roman Quinn appears to be healthy now. They've now moved him up to AAA, and he's, he's done well in his couple games up at AAA. What happens to Roman Quinn uh, in the next 30 days? And then what happens to their new closer, Aaron Altair, <laughs> and Nick Williams as it relates to Roman Quinn? Well, you know, this is a, this is a good problem for them to have. I mean, and, 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 and really I think what the crux of this problem is, is that neither of these three guys are really going to play you know, unless there's an injury in the outfield, which they're, you know, they're really hoping against that's a lot of money in that outfield, and those guys are, are productive players. So, you know, this is why, you know, in the next 30 days, I mean, I think in the next week, you know, or so, we're going to see Roman Quinn back in the Major League roster. And, and and what will happen to Roman Quinn? I mean, he's going to be, you know, a late-inning weapon for them off the bench. 
and that could be in the form of a pinch runner at times. It could be in the form of a defensive replacement at times if they need him. Uh, it could be as a pinch hitter to lead off an inning uh, late in the game. He's not going to play a lot, though, and I think that's why they're trying to get him as many reps as they can in AAA, even though, yes, he does appear to be healthy. He's still on you know, the rehab assignment because he's out of options. Like, you know, once, he, once he's activated, he's on the bench, and, and, and it's, it's going to be hard for him to stay stronger. Uh, and that's the same as said for Nick Wayne. I suspect that you know, Aaron Altair is the, is the odd man out, and, and in previous years when the expectations were lower, they would have tried to preserve depth, and preserving depth would mean that they would option Nick Williams to AAA because he does have an option remaining, and, and Aaron Altair does not. But when you're in a win-now mode like they are right now, keeping Nick Williams on the bench is the priority because he is a better bench threat than Aaron Altair is right now. And, and Altair doesn't have much to show for a season other than you know those two strikeouts as a pitcher, but he's actually hit the ball really hard. He's only got a few of He's hit the ball really, really hard. He's hit... I think he's hit like three or four line drive outs that, that, that should have been hit. And, you know, at worst, Aaron Altair is a number five outfielder. At best, you know, maybe he's like a platoon guy uh, on another team. And, and I think that if he were to be designated for assignment, that somebody probably claims him because, uh, you know, there, there are a lot of – there's a lot of upside there. It's just uh, – I think he's going to be the out-man guy out you know, in and out here in Philadelphia. I definitely think somebody ends up picking him up with some of the – shortages that teams have uh for you at what's old is new again in a prior life three years ago you actually wrote about the idea that the all-star game would come to philadelphia uh during the anniversary 250th anniversary of the country and it seems like they've announced that that's going to happen in 2026 you talked to me a little bit about the all-star game coming to philadelphia a nice prediction matt yeah yeah, I mean, it's pretty cool. I think, you know, people would have wanted it before this. You know, Citizens Bank Park has been open since 2004. The Phillies haven't had an all-star game since 1996, the Mike game. But, you know, this is something that, that David Montgomery, the, the chairman of the Phillies and former uh, you know, president of the Phillies, you know, really championed. This is something that he, he wanted to happen. And I think uh, there's a lot of people in the organization who really like the idea of this and, you know, in recent when the ballpark opened, they didn't need one of those, you know, jewel events, you know, because they, they were drawing a lot of people to the ballpark, and, and it became sort of less important, and Major League Baseball wanted to go to different cities where, you know, they kind of needed to drum up some fan attention, and, and they gave those cities all-star games. But I think having it in 2026 is, is great. I mean, Philadelphia had the all-star game at the vet in 1976 with the bicentennial, and, uh, you know, I, I, you're right. I wrote about this a while ago, and, and, and the idea is that they're trying to get as many major events in Philadelphia for 2026 as they can. And I think the idea behind announcing this now, way you know, it's way out. I mean, Major League Baseball never does this. They never announce these games seven years out. But I think they're trying to drum up a little bit of interest here, and they're trying to get uh, people talking about 2026 and some of the ideas for for celebrating the 250th birthday of America and and. Uh, I think it's pretty cool. I mean, it's still, still a long ways away. It's kind of weird to think about it, but uh, it could be really cool. Bryce Harper will still be here. He'll only be halfway through his contract. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, so, I mean, you know, so, hopefully he's still around. <laughs> so, Matt, for people who haven't been down to the stadium this year yet, there's a, there's a new addition that you wrote about to the stadium. Uh, how fun was it writing about that story? And for people that don't know it, it's about the old Liberty Bell from um, from the old stadium. 
What was that like writing that story? Well, it was it was a lot of fun, really. I mean, and, and some, I writing the story, I had no idea what was going to come of it. I had gotten a tip from somebody, and like you know, obviously everyone knew that Bell was you know was there, was back. But somebody had said, "Hey, there's you know there's like a really weird story." Like okay, and the more people I talked to, the, the sort of weirder it got, and uh, it was it was a lot of fun. I mean, I think it, it was fun exploring this, this you know this connection between uh, people you know that people have with the vet. And, and think about it, 15 years ago when that thing was was you know imploded, you know a lot of people were, were pretty happy to see it go. I mean, there was a little bit of nostalgia, and people were upset. But I mean, you know, it was a relic of the past. And, we sort of wanted to forget about the bed and the, you know the turf and you know the concrete. We you know we, we nobody wanted anything to you know to deal with that. And Citizens Bank Park was new and it was open, it was fresh, it was different, it felt different. But now, I mean, 15 years later, like it's okay to appreciate some of that stuff from Veterans Day. And the Phillies have incorporated you know some new signage uh, around the ballpark, some vintage signage, and part of that was coming up with this bell that was. You know, sort of forgotten. It was rusted. It was in this warehouse, you know, outside the food distributor, you know, down the street from the ballpark. And there were just a lot of weird coincidences. And uh, it's a cool story. I mean, it speaks a lot to the nostalgia, even even of a place. Yep. Not, you know, there was a lot of bad baseball there, but, uh, you know, still... It's okay to be nostalgic about it. Well, you can find Matt's story at The Athletic and find him at Matt Gelb on Twitter. Uh, your tweet about the story is what got my attention. It said, the old Liberty Bell from the vet is alive again. The story of how it returned involves feral cats, a South Philly food distributor, a blogger's curiosity, a family of painters, and some serious luck. So <laughs> that, that, that one got me when I saw and read that. And... Uh, I definitely, we look forward to following you and keeping us updated on what's going on with the Phillies. Thanks so much for giving us some time, and we look forward to having you back. Yeah, thanks, guys. We're asking. Thanks so much, Matt. Have a great one. That that tweet got me, Jeff. It's a great story. It is. Um, and it looks really nice out where it is now. So they, they dusted it off and painted it and made it look really nice. Are you concerned about, about the, bell? the bullpen? Well, I was until I saw how bad the rest of the bullpens have been in the majors. Right when it it, it <clears> is amazing to me because we've gone, we've swung so far from looking for starters who were horses, the guys that would go seven, eight, nine innings, to the bullpen being the primary way of getting through a game. And maybe it's just too much. You, if they're going to have to expand rosters if you're going to have this much bullpen use. And maybe that's the problem is you can't expect these guys to pitch 110, 120 games. You know, it used to be that if a a reliever pitched in 50, 60 games, that was a big deal. Now you're seeing guys pitching 80, 90 games. And I think that no matter how few innings you're pitching, it's not having the rest is really bad. And so maybe we're at that point. But Nick Pavetta and and Vince were never long starters. They always had this problem. I know that people seemed impressed in spring training about Pavetta, but I didn't. I don't see it. I don't see him being the number two guy in the rotation. And I hope I'm wrong. A, this is not a new thing for you. For our listeners that haven't heard it, Jeff has been against Pavetta and Velasquez being either in the starting rotation or as high up as they've been valued in the rotation 
for multiple years now. Uh, yeah, but but I don't work for a major league team, so I, I don't have the skill set well, of what they're your, looking with for. With some of your other takes, I'm not too disappointed by that. <laughs> but yeah, I'll just let you know. <laughs> but but I think that if they, I'm not saying they're going to do this. I think that they certainly should do this with with Velasquez, whether he likes it or not. He's had his time. We heard, had all the stories last year of that was his year. He had to prove himself. He didn't do it. He needs to go to the bullpen and maybe realize he, he proved, can excel maybe there. Maybe he just proved what he is, not a starter. Yes. Like people say he had his chance and he didn't prove it. Maybe he did. Well, that's what I'm maybe saying. Maybe he proved what he is, and it's, that's not a starter. Now, I, I could be wrong. But I, think, yeah. but I think what he also proved is that he, he can be a very good reliever because for short stints, going one time through the lineup— he can be unhittable at times. Yeah, his second time through the lineup is where they do damage. Exactly. You you get to the, the third, fourth inning with Velasquez, and you start to see the wheels coming off the wagons. So why not do what you're best at? And I think that, that doing what he's best at would help this team immensely. And if you know, people would then say, well, then what are you going to do? Well, I still believe that you have a handful of starters all at AAA who are capable well, of coming here's in patient, here. patient, Jeff. No, because I because I just like the journey of the guys. That's what we hear back from people, right? When we want to bring up the the younger players and give them a chance. On the yeah, roster. but these we're not talking about bringing up a guy that's nineteen years old. You have guys here that are twenty three, twenty four years old who we've seen small sample sizes of up at the majors, including De Los Santos, who I believe is starting tonight for the Iron Pigs. You have Cole Irvin. You have Ranger Suarez. You have uh, Jared Eikhoff, who. First time through the lineup, did really well last night, struggled in the fourth inning. But he seems to be getting his, his well stuff back. Pitched well up until back. then, though. Yeah. Had a tough fourth inning, giving up a three-run home run. But verse three looked but, good. But there are guys down there that if you move pieces around, you still might be able to do well. I'm still not saying that they have everything they need to get to the championship. I'm just saying that there's a better opportunity if you move the pieces that you have around. Same thing with the outfield. I mean, you have your starters. Now the question is, what do you do with the two backup guys? I think Roman Quinn needs to be here. As it, People say, and I've heard this down at the ballpark, people, every time O'Double strikes out or doesn't do something right, they go, 24 is coming back. Roman Quinn's coming back. No. Roman Quinn's best position is to help this team. The utility guy. Yes, because his speed off the bench will be invaluable. Yeah. So you get close you get towards the end of a game and uh Reese Hoskins gets a hit. You can bring in Roman Quinn to pinch run for him and speed kills. So that's a plus to have him on the team. I just think you have to move a couple pieces around. Can we leave baseball there and talk a little soccer to close the show? Extra time? Extra time. There you go. Uh, the Union are 3-2-1, and one, 10 points on the season. They've got a three-game winning streak. Did you watch them pull out the win over FC Dallas last week? Yeah, I did. That was fun. They, they are they are really fun to watch. They have 10 points in their last four games. They were down in the 85th minute. They got a penalty shot that was put back, and then got the winning goal. Uh, 91st minute, Jeff? Extra that stadium, time. That stadium went mm-hmm. wild when that uh, goal happened. And, you know, I was impressed after the game with what Jim Curtin said about uh, Aronson was that he seems to think that he is developing and he's developing quickly. I mean, one of his quotes was, he's been playing at a really high level and a level that our staff can't even think about taking him out of games and off the field and out of the lineup. 
for a kid that young, and he really is a kid, I mean, he's 18 years old, to be able to play at this level and to excel so quickly is, is very impressive. And to do it, I think it's harder when you're playing basically on an international team. There's, there's so much more that goes into it. Um, and he's fit in perfectly with the lineup that they have. I knew you'd like that quote. When, yeah. I, when I, we saw it from Jim Curtin, and you can catch our interview with Brandon Ar- Aronson from a prior show at theheartofsports.org. You can catch all our past shows there. Uh, I, I wish this week's game was here, though. Yeah, I, I, it'd be fun down there. I, I so desperately want to see Zlatan play. Are you going to stay up? It's a 10.30 start. It's a 7.30 West Coast uh, we'll start see. at the LA Galaxy. We'll see how the Sixers do. We'll see what kind of mood I'm in. How's that? <laughs> so but I, may, but I, my, my guess is I am going to stay so up. That'll either, be an exciting so game. We're spending Sunday together at Reading. There's a yeah. chance that you could either be dragging or cranky, but I don't see a smiley Jeff. Either Come way, on. like if the Sixers win, me? if the Sixers win and you stay up late to watch yeah. soccer, you're going to be tired. Have and you dragging. seen me cranky at a baseball stadium? I've seen. Well, no. Okay. Uh, True. Not at a baseball. That's stadium. right. So uh, I'll be fine. But we have time in the car before we get there, so you can be cranky before and after. Oh well, that that <laughs> I at the stadium, I've got I've got nothing. You've been to, forewarned. Yeah, I'm not really sure what's going to happen there. Did but you, you know, there was something. Good. You were going to talk about something. Did you see what they're doing for Earth Day? I think that's incredible. Yeah, so you know, they've it, got recycled uniforms. They're doing their part to raise awareness and have kits made out of ocean plastic debris. They'll wear it on the April 20th home game against Montreal Impact. Now, you see what I wear on my wrist, right? Yes. So that is recycled plastic from the ocean. Yes. It's a company that, that it's called Four Ocean. We're, we're not doing an advertisement for them. I was going to uh, say, is there somebody saying, I don't know about? Uh, no, I, I just think it's it's amazing that we're now sitting. If you saw there are islands of plastic in the ocean, it's not good. And there are groups that are going out and raising money and collecting all that plastic. And now they're putting that plastic to good use. I'd never thought that part of that good use would be uniforms. But it's pretty amazing that they're actually going to be wearing uniforms made out of this recycled plastic is that something that gets your attention for a team when they do things like that or is it just kind of no i i mean i'm not gonna i don't know if i'm gonna go out and i don't wear jerseys that much anymore except when i'm laying around the house but i think i follow teams that do that because i think it is important for teams to be socially conscious in lots of different ways but also to impact their communities in a positive way which is why we got into doing the show in the first place so um, I'm just impressed by this idea. I think it's a great idea, and I think more teams should follow suit. Last second, there's no uh, there's no downside, right? Last seconds, any thoughts? What's your primary this weekend? Masters, Sixers, Reading. What's your what's your thing? How about all of it? All of them. It's that's, sports, man. That's going to be the last word. Thanks so much for joining us this week. Make sure to join us next Friday night to help you start your weekend in style. Have a great one, and we'll talk to you next week. Bye bye.